Sports Talk continues with Jimmy Himes. I'm John Wilkerson. We are here in the palatial studios in Knoxville. Well, let's see. As we get to west of Cumberland Avenue and Kingston Pike and towards Western Plaza and all that fun stuff, Vince Ferrara is right smack dab at Lindsey Nelson Stadium, where tonight at 6 o'clock it's the first pitch for the Volunteers against ETSU. It's the Volunteers and the Buccaneers. And, Vince, this is 14-2 and Tennessee against 12-2 and ETSU. Quite the matchup. That's right, and I'm here in the palatial John Wilkerson uh, Tennessee baseball broadcast booth. So, <laughs> palatial follows you around, Mr. Wilkerson. That's right. It is a broadcast suite. Sweet. That's right, because it's that palatial. <laughs> that it is. <laughs> but, yeah, this you is You can put easy... several phone booths in that booth. <laughs> if we can only get a power outlet. No, That's right. right. Now we have to explain to a certain portion of our listening audience what a phone booth is. <laughs> this is true. That's way old school. But yeah, it is. This is an ETSU team that uh, you mentioned the record. They've won at Clemson this year, and a team that last year took one of the few non-conference games against against Tennessee. The two teams split their their meetings. So uh, this will be another challenge. I, I know in name, right state wasn't one that uh, really you know resonated with uh, with probably a lot of fans, and you just expect to walk over. A, program that you haven't really heard much about from Dayton in uh, out of the Horizon League but you know we talked about it last week that's a 41 team 42 win team regular season league champs and had playing Tennessee was their third meeting uh, against an SEC club and they have Kentucky still to come later on in the year so they had been tested they won at number one Louisville earlier in the year in convincing fashion so um, now, Tennessee contributed to last weekend and losing the series. There's no doubt, but it, um, Wright State had a little bit to do with it. And I think Tennessee is going to need to be better tonight if they expect to, to win this game than we saw them for a good part of last weekend. Yeah, this is the only meeting this year between the Volunteers and the Buccaneers. What's interesting is Tony Vitello took over the Tennessee program at the same time that Joe Panucci took over the Buccaneers. Um, Neither coach has won on their home field against the other. So it's been the road team that has won with these two gentlemen leading their respective programs. So Tennessee's trying to change that, and this is the only opportunity they have to change that this season. Yeah, and you know that that's a that's a sign of a quality program when you can win on the road. And for ETSU to to do that here when Tennessee was so good last year in non conference, and that certainly has been the case early this year. Like it, it speaks to the the toughness of your team. Uh, be interested to see Camden Soul is going to make his uh, season debut today. At least he's expected to, and he, along with Garrett Crochet and Will Heflin, haven't seen them uh, this year. Uh, Cam uh, Garrett Crochet made his debut, as you know, John, on Saturday and, and looked terrific, and uh, works uh, three and a third scoreless with six Ks and. I think uh, you'll see him against South Carolina for sure now. And, and then Camden Sewell was ready to go last weekend, just didn't get another you know, opportunity for uh, Tony Vitello and Frank Anderson to use him, and he's expected to get to start today. I think similar to Garrett Crochet, I don't think they're going to uh, roll with him too, too long. We'll see how it goes, but I would expect maybe a couple of innings from Sewell and plenty of guys that – are, are due for their throwing this week, midweek throwing that can can get some work tonight. And then, you know, the other is Will Heflin that is also expected to, uh, to be back pretty soon. 
you know, it just this team has really pitched so well uh, throughout the entire year, and now you start to get additional very important returning arms from last year to uh, to add them to the fold. Uh, I think that's exciting for Frank Anderson and, and this Tennessee pitching staff. To join us as Vince is with us until 4-30, star 990 is free for AT&T and U.S. Cellular customers. The toll-free number, 1-866-656-9900. Vince, a lot going on. You've got Tennessee getting ready for a game against Alabama Thursday in the SEC tournament in Nashville. And today it's the start of spring practice. That's right. We'll uh, spend uh, maybe a little bit more time on football in, in a little bit, but I'll start with basketball. I think you look back at the first meeting between these two and the big lead that Alabama had. Tennessee really wasn't uh, – they went back to not playing the right way and really staying on the perimeter a lot, and Alabama was hitting shots and having great momentum, had the big lead, and then Tennessee rallied back. But a big part of Tennessee rallying back was Alabama continuing the jack threes and then those – those stopped falling for them. But more importantly, Tennessee started playing the right way, and that's playing inside out. You saw Vescovi get in the lane. You saw Bowden drive the lane. When, when Tennessee's doing that and Rick Barnes is on them constantly for that, uh, when they're feeding the post and taking advantage of when those guys are showing in the post, driving in the lane, I think they can be really effective offensively, and the, it's just for whatever reason – there's stretches in games where they do it, and there's other stretches where they don't. And then, you know, on the other side, defensively for against Alabama, you know, Alabama will do that too. They'll drive to kick, and they have guys that can do that. But they are so reliant on their perimeter play. They really don't have much in terms of post, especially post scoring. So they're a one-dimensional type team. And I know the fan base has kind of really gotten frustrated with Nate Oates at Alabama, and he's, he's he just got there. So I mean, give him time. He's got to turn the roster over. Uh, but uh, and they cannot long-term, to me, they cannot play that way. They If they have the right personnel to change the way they play moving forward, then he needs to adjust to that personnel. But you're not, you're not going to win in this league being an all-perimeter-type team. You, you have to have – the ability to to do both, I think, to have, uh, you know, compete for the league championship type of of success. So they they got work to do with their program, and they've been so hit or miss this year. Also, just ended very ugly. We'll see how how that carries over. You just never know. Sometimes the end of the regular season, whether you're hot or you're cold, sometimes it carries over into conference tournaments. Other times it has zero carryover, and teams that are playing well have a bad matchup and a tough day in a new venue with different sight lines for shooting, and now you're you're all of a sudden, now you tighten up because you're in a tournament and you know, maybe you're feeling like you have to win a few games for the NCAA tournament, and then it's just things just change. So just never know how a group is going to react, and gosh, you can predict how Tennessee is going to look because it's not just a game-to-game inconsistencies. It's possession to possession with this team, so who knows to, uh, on Thursday. Yeah, Alabama in their last game was 4 of 24, but it's interesting what you say. I, I don't think they can win at a high level doing what they're doing, but Wimp Sanderson said they're playing the way that suits their personnel right. with outside shooters, and I, I, they've got to get more inside punch. And I think they miss Herbert Jones a little bit mm-hmm. uh, when he was out, but uh, it, it'll, it'll be interesting to me because I, I just think 
you've got you're going to get upset by a lot of teams, and Missouri was one of them. I think Vince, when you jack up as many threes, because if when you're not hitting and you're not getting rebounds inside, you're doomed. Yeah, and at time, I think I think Wim Sanderson's right. I, there's a couple of games there when they went through that stretch, like 59 in one game and shooting yeah. threes. That that's just ridiculous. Right. That that's not driving lane. Not even trying to have some sort of a post presence. You know, John Fulkerson has become a a good offensive player in the post for Tennessee. He's not a true big that always draws the double team that can collapse a defense and really open things up for you just yet. He's just effective when teams leave him one-on-one oftentimes. But they, you still have to try. You still have to try to get in the lane and try to impact the defense. If you're just jacking up all those threes, that to me that is not a recipe for any sort of sustained success. So I'm sure he is adjusting to his personnel and look, Tennessee, at, they, they've been a very good defensive team overall, but there's been times, even in that Auburn game, where you knew Samir Dowdy was lights out, and he still ended up with open looks. So yeah. Tennessee can't have those defensive breakdowns if Alabama is hot. John Fulkerson makes second-team All-SEC by the coaches, which is an eight-man team, first and second team. They actually had nine on the first team because of a tie. He does not make the AP first or second team. There were five on each of those teams, so it's a total of ten. Your thoughts on Fulkerson making second team coaches all SEC? Well, it's it's close. I mean, I I know for looking at it from our bubble, see the improvement of John Fulkerson, you know. But if if you are inserted into other people's bubble around the league. They have individuals that have played really well and have had their own improvements also. I think it's very close. I've been so impressed by what John Fulkerson has done. I, I, you know, I, I'm, I don't think it's just an absolute highway robbery or anything. I, I just, you know, I think I, I would have been fine with him on it, and I understand with you know, the, the talent that, uh, of the other guys that were under consideration uh, uh, why maybe he was just on the outside on on the second team. So, um, I, first of all, I don't understand eight teams on uh, uh, per team. I don't get that. I don't know why you don't have the same number on your t- on your first and second and third team. Why you don't have the same number of players that you would actually play with on a team. That was to make more people happy. But go uh, ahead. Yeah. And one team had nine because they don't break ties. Right. right. <laughs> and and if look, that was the only reason you went over, then I, I understand that. I'm I'm cool with that. But to do it that way anyway, just to make everybody you know, do three teams. That way that's how you recognize others. You just rather than two, eight or nine teams, you do three five man teams and plus any ties or whatever. But anyway, I, I, I thought I, I love the fact that E Pons was defensive player of the year. I thought that might go to one of the Kentucky guards. Uh, not that they are more worthy than you, Pons. I just thought that the the voting might go that way, and, and Pons might not get the the votes. But you know, how can you argue with the block shots and how, him being able to defend all positions? Is is you know he hadn't been perfect, but nobody in this league has been perfect in any way, including defensively. Uh, I just think he, he he has been a guy that's impacted shots and I think recognized by other coaches 
around the league. That's another reason why I thought maybe Fulkerson could slide in. Jimmy, how many times have we been in the post game and we've heard the opposing coaches just gush over John Fulkerson? Yep. Uh, so I thought that was maybe you know a way for for him to get some of those coaches vote. I I get the AP, but you know I I I think Pons is definitely worthy of that Defensive Player of the Year award. Let's get Jacob's call. You're on Sports Talk. Hello, Jacob. How are you? I'm great, guys. I hope y'all are doing well. Yes, sir. I wanted to get your thoughts on uh, the SEC men's basketball uh, season wrapping up here and uh, going into tournament play and in the off season. If you had to look at all the schools, do you think there's an SEC men's basketball coach that's on the hot seat or a school that might look to make a change before next year? See, before next year, um, I think next year's going to be a, a proving ground for Tom Crean at Georgia. I think Conzo Martin is also a concern. Yeah, I think that's a fair one to uh, point out. I think those are the two. I, I don't I don't know that I think I would go with Ole Miss yet. He hadn't been there long enough. Vince, is there any that jump out to you? No, the one that came to mind even more so than Conzo was Tom Crean. You know, when you bring in high-level players like he brought in a five-star in Edwards this year, you know, you had other really highly-rated guys that hadn't come together for him, but the expectation is a number of those guys are, are going to come back next year and then add another pretty good class behind that. The expectations are are going to be there to deliver for him because it has been underwhelming uh, during his time at Georgia um, you know, I, I I think you're right. It just hadn't been enough time for Ole Miss. Jerry Stackhouse just got there at Vanderbilt. The, the teams that are at the bottom of the league are still with new coaches and are trying to work their way up. I, I don't think Frank Martin is going anywhere. I, I don't. I just don't see any other. I guess there's been some the, earlier in the year there was discussion about Mike White and putting heat on him. But, you know, they had a, a pretty decent close to the season. Guess if he goes one and done in the NCAA tournament, some of those people might resurface. But that doesn't mean anyone is on uh, – that might be just fans. It doesn't mean they're on the legit mm-hmm. hot seat. Uh, Jacob, I think this could be a year where unless someone leaves on their own, uh, there, there may not be any moves in terms of coaches in the SEC. If I'm uh, the AD – at Missouri, I'm looking at a guy like Steve Forbes, and I, I go ahead and I I get rid of Conzo Martin and bring in a Steve Forbes. If you look at Forbes' resume, he was on the staff at Tennessee under Pearl, huge success. He was on the staff under Greg Marshall at Wichita State. They won a lot of games. He won a lot of games when he was a head coach of a community college in Florida. And now – He's got ETSU, the Bucks, in the tournament for the second time. He won 30 games for the first time in school history. And they're not only in, they're an 11 seed. I mean, the Tennessee Volunteers would love to be an 11 seed right now, not let alone the ETSU Bucks. I just think this guy is a great coach, and I think he may suffer a little bit, not after this year, but I think he suffered a little bit up to this point for having been on Pearl's staff and all that went down at Tennessee. But that's just me. If I was the AD at Missouri, uh, no questions asked. Uh, I'm blowing Conzo out of there and, and bringing in Forbes. What do you guys think? 
Why not Georgia? <laughs> well, Tom Crean, I, I think two years is just not long enough yet. And okay. he, he got Edwards to stay at Georgia. And that's the, the, always since since they had Jim Herrick, I mean, they, they really haven't gotten uh, the top talent in Georgia to stay in Georgia. So I would look at Edwards staying. Maybe he can do it again, you know, and get him back in the tournament. Okay. But, oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Jacob. Didn't mean to cut you off there. Oh, well, we sure do appreciate it. We've got more with Vince Ferrara coming up as you listen to Sports Talk on 99.1, the sports animal. The runaway number one in East Tennessee for sports. We are 99.1, the sports animal. Sports Talk continues. Vince Ferrara joins us from Lindsey Nelson Stadium. With Jimmy Himes, I'm John Wilkerson. Let's check in with Seth. Hello, Seth. Hey, fellas. How's it going? Doing well. How are you? Very good. Very good. Long-time listener to the show. Love what you guys do. Uh, We sure do appreciate you. Thank you. Uh, Had a couple quick questions about the Titans. Uh, You know, we've all been hearing a lot about possibly Tom Brady coming to the Titans. And uh, I just wanted to get y'all's opinion. Uh, if you think he's, if that's a possible move and if it does happen, if that, if he's, you know, if we're going to do good and possibly go to the Super Bowl or, or what after, you know, maybe, maybe after he retires. What do you think Vince? Well, I think it's, it's possible. I, I almost worry that, for the Titans fans that want it to happen, that the more that people talk about it, the more Brady be like, I don't want to do what everybody else thinks I'm going to do. And then it goes a different direction. That's right. Hello, Jacksonville. <laughs> yeah, Cincinnati. Yeah, we'll trade that pick and go Brady instead of Burrow. Since be Burrow and Brady. Yeah, How about exactly. that? <laughs> um, I, I think it could happen. The... Um, you know, the question is, is that how much of an upgrade at this point in his career would he be over Ryan Tannehill? Ryan Tannehill was so impressive last year for most of his time. He is, is are, are we to assume now that he is that quarterback moving forward, that now it's the right place, the right fit, the right team to where he can sustain that? Or did he get hot because there was no pressure on him? And it, um, and he just kind of let it go, and you know they had a running game and defense, which he never had before. So I honestly think that they could win with either one of them, um, or if they were to go neither of the two directions, and say a Teddy Bridgewater went there, I think they could succeed with him too. You know the Super Bowl discussion. Look, if Tom Brady's there, people are going to pick them to go to the Super Bowl. That's just that's the way the way it's going to work. You know, is Derek is Derek Henry there? What what do they lose in free agency? Who do they sign in free agency? Who do they draft? So sure, I think they're going to be a team that will be talked about as a potential Super Bowl team. Either way, as long as they maintain the roster as is, then there'll be even more expectations if Brady's there. But I think it can happen. Um, will it happen or not? I mean, people close to Brady say he doesn't even know. So how are any of us supposed to know? But I, I think it's it's a possibility, sure. Jimmy, what do you think? I think it's possible, but I just don't think Brady's a quarterback he was five to seven years ago. So 
I I don't expect him to come in and play great. I, I and Vince, I think you're right. I don't know that he's that much better than Tannehill right now. And I think Brady's you could argue the greatest to ever play, but I just I think there's been some diminishing of his skills. So I, I think if the Titans get him, I don't sit there and think, oh, that's a Super Bowl team right now because I don't think he's as good as he was. Here's another thing is do they tweak the offense to Brady or do, can Brady adjust to what the Titans do? Just because Mike Vrabel came from the Patriots doesn't mean they run the exact same offense. They throw down the field more with the Titans than they did with the New England Patriots. It's a lot of underneath routes. And although Brady, I think, is still very, very accurate with those, we haven't really seen him do a ton down the field with the Patriots. Maybe he has that ability, he just hasn't been asked to do it, or just hasn't had the receivers that he's either trusted or have the ability to make plays down the field. So that's a different dynamic. And if you're the Titans, do you want to adjust what really worked for you well last year? Do you try to do a bunch of underneath stuff when you've got some really nice receivers, including last year's first-round pick in A.J. Brown? So those are all things. And how, how do all those pieces work work together, the coaches with the with the player? I, I you know I, I think it's very interesting how you know the, that adjustment could happen because I don't think it's just an automatic plug-and-play type of thing. Seth, we really appreciate the call. Thank you so much. Have a great day. We're running a little bit late to get out for this hour, but that's all right because our next guest, well, he's kind of a schmo, so we don't mind being late for him. Yeah, I don't know why you even have him in the first place, but here we are. <laughs> Vince Ferrara joins us next. <laughs> We've got more with Vince coming up as you listen to Sports Talk on 99.1, the sports animal. The most trusted and longest-running sports talk show in Tennessee. From the Budweiser Studios of Cumulus Broadcasting, this is Sports Talk with John Wilkerson and Jimmy Hines on Sports Radio WNML. Hour number two of Sports Talk begins with Jimmy Hyams of John Wilkerson. Vince Ferrara with us for a couple of more segments as he joins us from Lindsey Nelson Stadium. What's the weather look like on campus, Vince? It's coming down about as hard as it has all day. Uh, guys are still out there uh, taking BP and doing work. Uh, saw a diving catch in center field. I didn't get a chance to see the, the number of it, but... Even in the rain, just a diving play. Might have been Gilbert. He he's the kind of guy that would lay it out in the downpour in, uh, on the turf. But you know they they have the mound covered up, so the rain has not impacted games. But it is it's coming down pretty hard right now. Yeah, and uh, still about an hour and 50-plus minutes away from first pitch as scheduled as Tennessee tonight takes on ETSU and what will be the final game before conference play. Let's get back to the phones and check in with Jim, who joins us. Hello, Jim. How are you? Hey, I'm I'm well, guys. Good afternoon. You know, uh, John, I was just going to say, the next time I you know get the opportunity to uh, – talk to coach al brown i think i'm going to tell him what you said about his football prognostication skills <laughs> yeah I'll, I'll probably text him before the end of the afternoon just to make sure he's aware <laughs> but he always sets the guest guest uh picker t- tone for the season doesn't he <laughs> that's right which gives the the three regular panelists the opportunity to enjoy a nice cushion moving forward <laughs> <laughs> you know um one of the positions that I would not want to have in today's current 
uh, situation regarding the virus are sports administrators, whether it's commissioners, uh, promoters, uh, to, to make these decisions on what to do. And I saw, I think I saw it today, where the, today or yesterday, where the Ivy League canceled their uh, basketball tournament, both the men's and women's postseason tournament. Yeah. Where were they to be held? I'm sorry? Where were they to be held? You know, I don't know, Jimmy. I don't know if it was okay. Connecticut or, or where it was. Um, and I was going to – two questions. Have, have, you seen, have you seen any other sports t- uh, tournaments uh, like that canceled? Yeah, a tennis and, tournament in California, Jimmy, that made the call, I guess, either over the weekend or Monday. Yeah, Indian Wells, which is a very big and a very popular tournament. John Hopkins is hosting Division Three, and they're doing it without fans for their basketball tournament, Division Three tournament. Uh, and 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 I will preface all of this by saying I don't have the answers, and I and I'm not and I'm not critical of of the decisions being made by any of these these folks. I. I don't know what's what's right and wrong. I think the only decision that becomes easy, uh, not that we ho- hope that it gets there, is if it gets worse and then you have a governmental agency, whether it's federal or state, you know, mandating that there won't be crowds of X number of people, uh, and then and then of course you you know you make the decisions not to play the games in front of fans, and I. I think what was it in the news and notes, Jimmy? You talked about Major League Baseball maybe looking at sites and possibly going to spring training sites to play they, some games. They've told their teams to prepare for an alternate site. Uh, Stanford, I saw the other day, had ten sporting events coming up, and they were going to limit the crowd to thirty-three percent of capacity so that the fans could spread out. Okay. Then the NCAA said that the they are uh, they're or Santa Clara, I'm sorry, County is indicated they're not sure they want Stanford to host. And I think it's a women's tournament. I think Stanford had the first two rounds. They're not really sure about uh, them hosting them. They said they don't want gatherings of more than 1,000. Maybe they can host it, but they can't have more than 1,000 people at the game. Hmm. games. Do you know if any of the major, of the say, the big five conferences, including the SEC, do you know if anybody's come out with any statements in terms of monitoring, you know, locations and – or, or, or any statement regarding the issue of the tournament and or crowd sizes or anything of that nature? Not to my knowledge. If you're a commissioner, and this is an awful hard question, if you're a commissioner or, you know, uh, whether it's pro sports or college sports, uh, what what do you look at? What, what are you trying to determine uh to make the kind of decision whether or not you're first going to have any fans, whether you're going to limit it to a third of capacity to spread them out. Uh, um, I mean, this is kind of a social science question, but it certainly pertains to to sporting activities at this point. Do you have any thoughts on that at all? I have some thoughts on it, but it would be that if if I have had a number of cases in my area I'd probably be inclined to limit attendance or to play without fans. If I haven't had any cases, mm-hmm. I'm playing. Yeah. Yep. I think, Vince, you, you probably start first by looking at the city that hosts the venue and exactly what the situation is like there, and then you can check and see if there happen to be schools coming from areas where there have been cases reported and just how many. 
And and so I I do think there's an opportunity to be practical, uh, to be very conscientious about the situation and make sure that you're you've got the safety of the fans held first, but also at the same time giving friends and family the opportunity to come watch their team and players compete. Yeah, I, you know, you just hope that just PR isn't coming into play and there's not a overreaction just from a PR standpoint to show that hey, we're, you know, we're looking out for for everyone when maybe it doesn't have to get to their those links. Maybe there's steps in your process. And I know there's a lot of government agencies and uh and you know national organizations that are available you know for a lot of, of these administrators to help them make their decisions and the SEC really upping you know a lot of the the cleanliness of of their uh you know of the building in Nashville of Bridgestone and taking precautions from a cleanliness standpoint to alleviate without having to shut the whole thing down but you're right it depends on where it is, if there have been cases of them, if there have been cases of them, private or public. I mean, we're, there there could be some where they're just haven't come public yet. Um, so uh, you have to do your homework on where they're coming from and all those all those steps. I'm with Jim. I, I wouldn't want to be in that situation, but I do think they have access to people that can sort of guide them through the seriousness for their particular areas. Well, I think the targeted approach is the best approach because if you've got an area where you're not having problems, then I don't see a, a, a problem in, in having the event. And, Jimmy, that may have been the genesis of your question of the Ivy League of where where is the tournament. Yes. Uh, well, certainly we all hope this gets better, not just from the sports point of view, obviously, but just from the general health point of view of the of the country. Guys, I really appreciate your thoughts. Uh, have a good afternoon. You too, Jim. Thank you very much. Let's go next to Doug. You're on Sports Talk. Hello, Doug. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Afternoon. Everything's well in Hooterville. Glad to hear it. <laughs> uh, talk about Auburn and uh, Bruce Pearl. I called in uh, when, what's his name, Hardy down here went to uh, Auburn. Mm-hmm. In 1957, Auburn was undefeated, won the national championship, couldn't go to a bowl because they were on probation. In 93, they were undefeated, couldn't go to a bowl because they were on probation. In 2010, they won the national chip, championship for the most illegal player in the history of the SEC. And they still got put on pro- probation three years later for that team. Bruce Pearl got fired at UT for lying about a picnic. And my question is, if he lied about a picnic, what will he tell the truth about? They had to fire their one of their most famous players last year because he got caught up in the NCAA or the FBI wiretap, and they have a notice of allegation against them this year. Now, why would anybody think Auburn's cheating? Obviously, you don't. <laughs> no. <laughs> Coincidence, right? Yes. <laughs> I mean, they simply have a four-strike, well. and also they have eight major NCAA violations Far and away the most of anybody in the SEC conference. I think the next one's Texas A&M, and they haven't been in the conference that long. I mean, why do we even have rules? Why do we even have the NCAA? Just go out and buy players, win a national championship, get put on probation for two years, then go out and start buying them again. But they space it out. Yeah, they do. (laughs) Maybe there's a statute of limitations. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) You had to go from 1957 to 93. 
That's right. Something like that. 63 years. <laughs> I want to say something real quick. Uh, I've actually been to a football game, a Tennessee football game, where there were no fans. If you remember, I believe it was 1990 when we played Colorado out there at Anaheim Stadium uh, where the Angels play. Remember that preseason game? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I don't know what they called the tenants on that, but honestly, I don't think there were 5,000 people there. That was the weirdest game, being in a baseball stadium anyway, and not having anybody there. I mean, that was literally like playing with no crowd. Oh, no, I, I don't agree with that. Uh, you, you're being you're exaggerating when you say 5,000, right? I don't think so. I don't know what they called it, but I, I was, mean, there wasn't anybody there. Because, you know, Colorado, I, they probably had 500 people there. Tennessee and had more if, than 5,000 people there. Huh? Tennessee had more than five thousand people there. I was there at the game. Well, no. Yeah, I was too. I I mean that was the weirdest game, and the the biggest tragedy about it was that was one of the best games probably in Tennessee history. You know, Colorado tied for the national championship. I think we were seventh or eighth. But uh, it was a tremendous game with a lot of great athletes. But I don't remember the crowd being that sparse. Uh, we're, yeah. We're we remember that very differently, Doug. Okay. Well, maybe I stopped at the happy hour before I got there. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I won't say what you were drinking. No, yeah. no I'm just kidding. <laughs> See you guys. Thank All right. you. Sure to appreciate it. Vince Ferrara is at Lindsey Nelson Stadium with Jimmy Hyams. I'm John Wilkerson. We'll get a break. We've got one more segment with Vince coming up as you listen to Sports Talk on 99.1, the sports animal. In your car, in your office, in your house, in your shower. Ah! 99.1, the sports animal. Pass the body wash. Vince Ferrara joins us from Lindsey Nelson Stadium with Jimmy Hyams. I'm John Wilkerson. Sports Talk rolls on. It's Brian who joins us next. Hello, Brian. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks for asking, John. I hope you guys are well. Yes, sir. Uh, my question, a week ago this past Sunday uh, at the Tennessee ball game, we had a runner on first, and the uh, first base umpire called a walk and a and on that pitch, I, I said he called a balk. And on that pitch, they called a strike. How could you have a strike and a balk on the same play? If you have a balk called, it is no pitch. Uh, it probably was that the home plate umpire did not see the call of balk and so ruled on the pitch, but then that would become no pitch after the runner is awarded his base. That's so- what I thought, but they have- they put a strike up on the scoreboard well, and the runner went to second. Did they take it off, the strike? Not that I saw, sir. Well, again, what you're looking at there, Vince, it, it's kind of like the unofficial times that get floated around the combine. <laughs> I, I, at times, you would just have to view the scoreboard at Lindsey Nelson Stadium hmm. as unofficial. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. Is there, there are times where the balls and strikes are mixed up. Uh, so... You know, it, it could have been added and then maybe never taken off on what you saw on the video board. But the umpire is aware of the balls and strikes. And then oftentimes if he looks up at the video board and sees that it's not accurate, he'll put up the fingers, you know, the balls and the strikes. And, you know, sometimes they'll notice that and, and adjust it. Other times you just reset with the next batter. So it could have been something like that. Okay, well, I, maybe I saw it wrong, but it just – it just threw me a curve, uh, no pun intended. Oh, that was really, really been a good one. <laughs> <laughs> All 
<laughs> All right. Thanks, fellas. Sure do appreciate it, Brian. Thank you. And Vince has the uh, the perfect game plan. If you think there's any question, just watch the home plate umpire because when he sees a discrepancy, he'll go up with the hands to say it should be two and one, uh, one and two, you name it. And it could happen to anybody. So that's not to uh, to call out the uh, scoreboard operator at Lindsey Nelson. It's just every now and then, uh, sometimes a, a ball goes up when it's a strike and vice versa, or maybe there's two outs instead of one. It just it can happen to the best of folks. Especially with a situation like that, ball calls a lot of times will catch people by surprise. So it uh, it happens. That it does. Hey, Vince, you've got in the cage tomorrow night. What can we look forward to on the program? We'll visit with Eric Anders, who played football in the SEC at Alabama. He's now a UFC fighter, has a really good record and at 13-4. and four, He's got a big fight coming up in April. So visited uh, visiting with him on tomorrow's show. And then also... Uh, look back at UFC 248, which had some unbelievable fights on it. And we'll look ahead to this week's UFC uh, fight night in Brazil, so which might have some ramifications trickle down to Scott Hot Sauce Holtzman. So we discuss all that, and then you know obviously that's tomorrow night eight to nine, and then so much on the way, John, in terms of Tennessee football, whether with the rain coming down, they may have moved inside and either way we'll have practice footage that we'll put out on 99.1 the sports animal tonight and then we'll have uh jeremy pruitt's press conference both in video and audio form and uh, then thursday there'll be some players available uh then uh more practice footage from thursday before they go on spring break and some practice observations rosters coming out so we'll have you know my blog on there kane's got five things to look for going into camp so just a plethora of information regarding Tennessee football with spring practice getting underway today. So we'll bring it all to you and uh, plenty on the air with you guys and the rest of the shows as well. Let's get a call from Roger who joins us. You're on Sports Talk. Hello, Roger. Uh, well, hi, hi guys. Um, how, 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 how's everybody doing this afternoon? Doing well. How are you? Uh, I'm doing fine, doing fine, John, Jimmy, and Vance, how, about, how you doing, Vance? I, I can talk to you, Vince. How you been doing, man? How you I'm, been doing, Vance? I'm hanging in there, doing great. Roger, hope you are, bud. Yeah, I'm doing, doing fine, Vance. I just want to ask you first, Vance, uh, I just want to ask you first, uh, Vince, uh, Vince, I know the men play, uh, play Thursday. I just want to ask you how you think they're going to do in the first game, how you think Tennessee can do on the first, first game, Thursday, Vince, you think, Vince? Well, well Roger, I think it's a matchup they can win. They have obviously already beaten Alabama. They beat them in Tuscaloosa in comeback fashion, and when they played the right way in that game, they can have success against Alabama because they don't really have a whole lot inside. And if Tennessee plays the right way, goes to Fulkerson, drives the lane, uh, I think they can present problems for Alabama. Also, when a team is so reliant on the perimeter, you wonder about the first games in a big venue like that in terms of shooting yeah. and and just being able to – to to shoot in a much different place they'll all get to practice there a little bit beforehand uh with some light shooting but you always wonder about that in a game uh to where you might not be able to shoot as high percentage from three-point range in your first game Uh, and then alabama season didn't end great tennessee's didn't end great with their last regular season game but played well uh overall um Uh, well enough to win games the two games prior so i would pick tennessee to win the game 
But Roger, they've been so Tennessee's yeah. been so inconsistent, and so is Alabama. It's really hard to know what you're going to get from those from those two teams. Uh, uh, you're right. You're right. You're right. I hope they can win. Start to be great. If they can win. Start for a game and done. John and Jimmy, how, how you think Tennessee's going to do? You put, how you think Tennessee's going to do? Uh, going to do Thursday, John and Jimmy. Thursday. I think Tennessee is going to beat Alabama. I kind of I agree with Vince a little bit. Alabama is in love with the three, right? And I think uh, yeah. a, a facility like that can make it more difficult to hit three-pointers. Watch Alabama go 15 yeah. for 25. <laughs> but I, I think that can lead to uh, them firing up some threes, missing them. I, I'll, I'll take Tennessee to beat Alabama. I think so as uh, well. John? And uh, uh, I, I, uh, I agree with Vince and Jimmy. I, I really think that, the, that Tennessee should be able to get the job done. Again, if Alabama heats up from outside, watch out. But I also think that Alabama's showing some signs that they've run out of gas. Uh, they lost to Vanderbilt. They got beaten badly by Missouri. And who knows, maybe an extra day gives them a chance to uh, to recharge their batteries. But we shall see. Hey, Vince, uh, before we let you go, what's going on these days at 99.1, thesportsanimal.com? Yeah, all the Tennessee football uh, coverage this week. We have Tennessee content on there every single day with all the spring sports, baseball and softball in action, a preview of uh, Tennessee baseball and softball playing tonight, and then obviously lots on Tennessee football practice. Uh, um, working on on uh, some football content myself on my blog, and then all the podcasts. Just go to all the show pages, whatever show you're interested in. You can go there, and then you can subscribe to any of our podcasts on either Google Podcasts or iTunes, and many of the other platforms that have podcasting as well. There's an all station feed. WNML all audio main channel, and then you can do it by show uh, if if you prefer that. But there are tons of content on there on a daily basis. So everybody will bookmark it and make it a multi-time-a-day viewing habit destination. Vince, thank you very much. And we look forward to your call on UTSports.com as well as the game day app for Tennessee and ETSU coming up this evening. But uh, have a good call and good luck with the weather. All right. I appreciate it, John. Thanks for having me, guys. Thank you. That's Vince Ferrari.